Today, we speak to Dr. Nina Radosevich. Dr. Radosevich is a surgical and molecular pathologist at the Jean Perron Comprehensive Cancer Center in Clermont-Ferrand, France. She is a senior translational oncology scientist, which includes being a cell biologist within the center and within the research unit 1240 of INTEM, the French National Institute for Health and Disease Research. Lastly, she is an associate research professor at the University Clermont-Auvergne, both the research unit and the university in Clermont-Ferrand, France. We have a great conversation on why understanding heterogeneity is so important, the benefits she sees in using curated panels of the encounter, her opinions on the geomics DSP, and how biologists should consult pathologists for study design and understanding tissue. This is the Spatial Navigator podcast brought to you by Nanostring. Here at Nanostring, we believe that spatial genomics is at the forefront of discovery and translational biology research. We present the work that researchers are doing in the field and share our initiatives to engage and support them. Hi, Nina. Very happy new year to you. Thank you for coming on to the podcast and congratulations on recently completing your Geomix DSP training. Hi, Jonathan. Very happy to see you. Happy New Year to you too and to all the people from Nanostring. Yes, we are very happy uh, to have completed the new Nanostring training in, in spatial transcriptomics. And I can tell you that we are already preparing our first new big transcriptomic, spatial transcriptomic project in our platform, Tanya. If it's not too much time, are you at liberty to share what that project will be on? This project is a very interesting project, which will investigate the differences between chronic lymphocytic leukemia cells and their very malignant counterpart that's called Richter syndrome. Actually, chronic lymphocytic leukemia is a, a malignant blood disorder that is pretty much indolent. However, in some patients, in quite rare patients, it can transform in a very malignant form that's called Richter syndrome. And actually, that form is very resistant to therapy, and we don't know much about how that transformation happens. So I have a fantastic collaboration with Dr. Roman Giz in the same city where I work and live, Clermont-Ferrand, France. He's a hematological oncologist, and he actually works on likely the biggest world cohort of Richter syndromes. So we will try in our future projects to uh, explore the differences at the transcriptomic level between Richter cells and chronic lymphocytic leukemia cells, which is very interesting for me and appealing and challenging is to do uh, ROIs on such tissues because actually we don't have a specific morphology marker for Richter cells. So I will have to do ROIs only by my eyes. So they will be uh, customized ROIs and I will likely use image J to do them externally and then to import them into the geomics. But since my first specialty was hematopathology, I'm very, very, very happy to go back to that because I've been working on the breast and gynecological pathology since 10 years, 
But I'm very, very happy to go back to my first love and specialty and to do such a challenging project, especially in terms of what pathologist has to do uh, in the genomics uh, workflow choosing RI. So this is it. And I'm really, really excited about that. So we are really uh, gearing up for everything, choosing samples, and uh, we will be likely starting in February. That's so exciting. Could you then give us a short introduction into how you began with hemopathology, working with breast, and then sort of like coming back into spatial? I've actually started with hematopathology as a medical student in my home country, ex-Yugoslavia, now Serbia, when I met a very, very inspirating professor of hematology, and he took me into his team as a student. I was only 20, and I was totally fascinated by discipline because uh, it gave me everything I wanted. It gave me uh, visual, it gave me thinking, it gave me um, everything. Uh, and hematology was the kind of a pioneer in cell biology and personalized medicine. So I was in that field for more than 20 years in all possible settings in academia, in military, in industry. Uh, I did my postdoc in the States uh, in the field uh, and also many, many scientific works. And then I uh, switched uh, the domain of my career in 2011 when I came here to Clermont-Ferrand because I was accepted by my current boss, a fantastic woman named uh, Frederic Pendel Lorca, who is a founder of molecular pathology in France and specialist in breast and gynecological pathology. And we've been working together since. Basically, what I really love in that field is uh, that immuno part, because we have today an explosion of immunotherapy. And the people who uh, know very well all those purple cells, the immunocells, uh, hematological blood cells, and everything, we were called immediately to uh, get involved in the field and to explore tumor microenvironments. So now I'm really, really having fun doing that in all possible tumors. Okay, principally in breast and gynecological cancers, but I've collaborated with many teams. And since we got geomics, it's really developing. And I'm very happy to start the geomics work with the hematopathology project. But we already have in line a couple of projects with other diseases, where again, the focus will be on tumor microenvironment. I mean, geomics isn't the first exposure that you've had to nanostring. You've been a friend of nanostring for quite some time. Could you talk us how you've used Encounter prior to this? Yes, I've been with nanostring really for a long time, since 2015. And my institution has been with the company since 2013, I think, because we started doing a first assays with today's prosignia. But very soon we had a, a wonderful encounter with one of the regional directors or sales specialists, Valerie Lacoste and Bill, who presented us encounter gene panels. And I really got fascinated how well curated they are. And I decided to use the pan cancer progression panel in one of my research projects that got published recently. 
Then I was among the first persons in France who used IO360 projects. And then our lab developed the whole diagnostic part on Encounter. We now perform proscenia assays regularly. And I also intend to use in a very recent project, the BC360 panel. So this is the Encounter story, which is still very, very valuable in our work. Because again, I love encounter panels because they are very well curated. I know that people today do many RNA-seq experiences. This is okay. But if you search for biomarkers and if you really want to do a, a quick screening with a very well curated content and very well, um, let's say, appropriate technique and adapted technique for that, I would always opt for nanostring panels if we have nanostring technology. So, uh, for example, okay, I will soon start a project with BC360. And today I will have a talk with Anna Ortali to see uh, how other panels work. And I all even have an idea to propose you to make one new panel that we don't have and we need it. So um, nanostring encounter panels are very, very good curated content for exploration for biomarker research. And then going back to the study of the tumor microenvironment, we see more and more interpatient heterogeneity and even intrapatient heterogeneity. Why is heterogeneity so important to study and understand? Yeah, heterogeneity is important to study and understand because Today, we consider tumors and even organs and even tissues as societies made of several societies between several micro-societies. So these societies are cellular. They might be also molecular, but especially with spatial techniques, spatial biology techniques, we are getting back to cell biology because we uh, understood recently that Actually, everything is played by cells. So we have in tumor microenvironments several cell societies, which as uh, in this planet uh, live on different places and do different things depending on the place. That's why uh, one tissue, even the normal tissue, and especially malignant tissue, we can consider it as a planet and the planet has uh, different continents, the planet has different regions, and there are societies living there, working there, dying there. So all these essential functions of those cellular societies depend on localization. And that's why it's very important to study that heterogeneity, because again, heterogeneity, tissular heterogeneity is a normal phenomenon, is a normal phenomenon. This is developmental phenomenon. This is how our body develops as in the embryo and later. And cancer actually as a wonderful hacker, as a wonderful imitator of normal development. However, with the development which is stopped at some level and didn't go further, Cancer is like a prodigy child which uses the normal development to reach its progression. And all those cellular societies that cancer has work differently in terms of development and differentiation. And that really depends on the localization where they are. Because, for example, cellular societies at the periphery of the tumor 
live and work in another manner, and the cellular societies in the center of the tumor work and live in another manner. This is it. I think we also see that in post-treatment expression, especially within the tumor microenvironment. For a specific type of cancer, you can have very different post-treatment prognosis in the case of recurrence. So I guess understanding the heterogeneity would allow us to appreciate the differences or or understand, as in the case of your project, why certain progressions of cancer are a lot more resistant to treatment, correct? I absolutely understand what you want to say. And since cancer recurrence is my top one area of work, I'll explain you why actually special biology is so important for investigating reasons of cancer recurrence. Think again about the cancer as a society, as a planet. So logically, if you hit the planet, think about prehistorical terms. If you hit the planet with a meteorite, like it happened earlier, it will hit something. Okay, you may even want to hit the entire cancer, but you have several continents. They are different in their structure. So in the cancer, this is extracellular matrix. So some continents are more solid, some are more liquid, some are more stiff, some are less stiff. This is about the ground of the continent. Then you have societies on the continent. You have societies that are more or less resistant, even if you hit with like a X-rays or gamma rays or very, very high energies like a new planet or supernova or whatever. So these societies in the cancer will definitely behave differently. And you don't know which society on which continent will survive. You have to explore that exactly after treatment. And after treatment, the planet called cancer will not be the same as before treatment, you can understand. I mean, you will have something that's destroyed, but you will have something that stayed there. And the societies which stayed there are not the same societies as before therapy, because these are survival societies. They have another characteristics. So you have to go and explore that and see Who will repopulate that planet or other planets? Because a society sitting there may embark on the the asteroid and go somewhere, I don't know where, you know. I mean, just think about the cancer. Please think about the cancer as a planet with continents and with societies on them. So continents have different structures. Society have different characteristics. When you hit with anything, you simply don't know which will survive. And when you see what survived, you have to explore that very, very deeply because these survivors are not the same people or the same societies which existed there before the treatment. I'm thinking back to how this podcast episode came to be. I commented on one of your LinkedIn posts about biopathologists. Could you tell me what a biopathologist is and what an individual about the field would have expertise in? Yeah, a biopathologist is a new word. And if you follow my posts, you know that I'm very fascinated by words. 
because I have a tag that gives me the word. It's a new word, which actually stands for a morphological pathologist, which is trained and performs also what we call molecular pathology and also some cell biology work. Basically, it's a new word, but today every pathologist must be a biopathologist because let's say in the 21st century, Pathology cannot be done without that molecular biology part because we use it to detect different gene alterations uh, which serve us as biomarkers or therapeutic targets to analyze the molecules by immunohistochemistry or those techniques. So again, the pathologist is everything today, but since people are accustomed that the pathologist does only morphology work, we had to invent that new word to tell the people that we also perform many, many, many biological techniques and we investigate the tissue in a much more complex manner, including expression of the molecules, spatial analysis and everything else. So uh, how did I became a biopathologist? I actually was trained as a biopathologist as a student because, again, I worked with a very visionary professor who knew that in hematology, we simply have to know everything. So I had training in molecular biology, in cell biology, in cell biochemistry, cell pharmacology, in hematology and everything else. And again, I also did uh, training in molecular pathology that became official in 21st century. But anyway, uh, a biopathologist actually is every pathologist today. I mean, the persons must be that. We have to know about molecular expressions, about molecular components of a tissue, and that's it. Yeah, so as you mentioned, it's more than morphology and you're investigating the tissue in a holistic manner. The holistic manner, yeah. So then even like molecular expression is part of the job description for a pathologist, part of their responsibilities too? Yes, absolutely. Because today's expectation of a pathologist is the molecular analysis of a tissue. We have morphological analysis, but then a huge amount of our work is molecular analysis, starting with let's say something that's our standard and has been standard for for decades. It's immunohistochemistry, but immunohistochemistry is again a molecular expression analysis because we analyze expression of proteins. And we are called to qualify and quantify that expression. But then in the 21st centuries, we uh, actually are called also to quantify gene expression because uh, gene expression served to uh, made uh, several what we call signatures that have a prognostic or predictive values. And for example, in breast cancer, everybody uh, is aware about uh, molecular classification by uh, Peru and and Sorley that we use in everyday work uh, to uh, classify breast cancer, to give a prognosis and to choose the treatment. And then with immunotherapy and everything that's been developed, targeted therapy, we are looking for biomarkers and some biomarkers are definitely gene signatures, uh, meaning a combination of gene expressions. And this is, for example, what I've been developing. And this is also my favorite part of the work. Why is that so in? Why is that so, um, let's say, blooming? It's blooming exactly because thanks to the companies like Nanostring, 
which developed those high throughput and highly curated ways to analyze gene expression. And again, RNA-seq is a procedure that I appreciate very well and I will use in some explorative projects. But when I want to search for biomarkers, I really don't want to dive into thousands of genes. I need something that's been analyzed, that's been curated, that, that's been adapted to biomarker research. And that's why I go uh, to nanostring panels use them to explore, and then I can derive uh, smaller signatures that we can use in our work. Definitely for some projects, as I explained you at the beginning, for example, for our projects in Victor syndrome, we will use nanostring spatial whole transcriptome analysis because it's a totally unknown uh, planet because really we have to go really, really uh, very, very deep down. But for example, if I work on a clinical trial in the breast on ovarian cancer or something like that, I mean, we know what's happening there and nanostring already made very, very good panels that can show us what's happening where. So um, that's why gene expression is actually has a lot of value today as a quick procedure that can be standardized, that can be then transferred quite quickly into the clinics. As you've mentioned, a pathologist works with HNEs, with immunofluorescence or immunohistochemistry. How has that expanded now with the capabilities of the geomic? We've been using immunohistochemistry and immunofluorescence for decades, and we still use them. But geomics changed that in a whole new way in terms that allows us to uh, analyze hundreds and thousands of proteins, okay, for the moment, hundreds on the same tissue. So we overcome the problem in classical immunochemistry, which is a lot of precipitates. And so in chromogenic immunochemistry, we cannot go further than, for example, five markers. But thanks to nanostring barcoding technology, we can go to uh, hundreds of markers. And this is something that, I mean, I really, this is what I said on your first webpage. It's really revolutionary because we've been dreaming about that for decades. And we knew, I mean, we love immunohistochemistry. This is our routine technique, but we knew its limits. I mean, there, there are limits. You simply cannot go further. I mean, you can do, for example, micro dissection, which we also do for research. You can like choose one regions or something. But imagine with the geomics, you can choose an enormous number of regions. You can go to a couple of cells or, I don't know, a bigger amount. Or I mean, sitting and analyzing a tissue like a salad. I mean, this is everyone's idea. You really have a fruit salad uh, wonderfully arranged in front of you. And uh, you can pick uh, one fruit, you can pick several fruits. It's like that. And again, if a tissue is a planet, I mean, imagine space explorer going to a new planet. I mean, and having a tool to analyze one stone or one continent on that planet. So how happy will you be? (laughs) 
it's a, such an exciting explorative thing. Another point on the geomix is that we are able to do things like tissue microarrays. With the ability to do whole slide on the geomix, could you talk about the utility that the instrument has when it comes to tissue microarrays or building cohorts with them? Yeah, of course. It's fantastic that geomics can perform on tissue microarrays because it saves our lives. You know, there is utility to, of analyzing the whole tissue sections and also tissue microarrays. And tissue microarrays, we pathologists love very much, especially when we work on huge cohorts, because honestly, when we have like 100, 200 or 300 samples to analyze, it will be just enormous time to do that as all tissue sections. And again, with all respect and appreciation that I have for nanostring, if we were to analyze the 300 tissue sections, it will have certain costs. And we, especially in academia, we don't have always money for that. But we pathologists can analyze a whole tissue section on HME choose big arrays that we are interested in, insert, design a, a tissue microarray by sampling whole tissue sections, do the first performance, the first analysis on tissue microarrays, which will be really much quicker. And again, even in a spot, if you have a microarray spot of one millimeter diameter, you can choose there uh, like four regions or maybe five regions if you want RIs by Germans. Because, for example, the diameter of RI, for example, RNA analysis would be like 200 microns and for proteins like 300 microns. So if you have a TMA spot of 1000 microns a diameter, you can easily imagine that you can put there if you want two or three RIs. So... Again, tissue microarrays are very good for us pathologists because we can definitely choose the big RIs of our interests on the whole tissue section and then choose smaller RIs. And when we find something interesting by geomics, we can then go to the whole tissue section and do additional RIs on it. But I mean, for a screening purpose, for a biomarker search purpose, TMAs are really uh, very precious because they enable us to uh, go quickly to, to many samples and to analyze that. So it's a very, very good that the geomics can do that because not all technologies for spatial analysis can do that. Not all technologies on the market. We uh, really, really love that. And I guess with TMAs, you'd also need to be very familiar with the tissue in order to know which areas to resect, right? As yes, to I told you, we pathologists, because for example, geomics in my laboratory, it's in the department of pathology. So we are really at ease with use of tissue RIs and anything, with choosing of tissue RIs. But again, since we are now functioning as a platform, our pathologists assist other teams in choosing RIs because we know the tissue. And I mean, again, with all respect and appreciation of my other colleagues from other fields, I observed uh, till now, and it's been for two years that I'm advising people how to do study design, for us pathologists, it's much easier to do that than for the people who are not. That's why we have to do uh, that, let's say, counseling and service. And that's why I, I do that every day. I definitely 
advise people how to choose the regions. And also I choose the regions for collaborative projects because, uh, yes, we are trained, pathologists are trained in tissue analysis. Other people are not trained. So it's normal. We are very much at ease uh, in region choose and uh, in region choice, but we also have to help other people to uh, design well their studies to get the most from the technology. Because study design is extremely important. And this is what I emphasize in all my lectures that I gave about how to use technologies. And I think that people now really understand that's extremely important to well design. And that's why the collaboration between pathologists and all other professionals who would like to use Germix technology and cosmics and all the facial biology technology, it's, it's really essential. Uh, tissue analysis is our blood and we do that all the time and we love working on that and we must work on that and we must provide that help to the people who use spatial biology. So when it comes to study design, there's two ways that I see it typically goes. A lot of people do maybe discovery work. So just sequence everything and then see what is interesting and then theorize, make hypotheses off of that. Or you can begin with a hypothesis at the beginning and then have that lead into uh, the way that you design the experiments. Which of the two would you advise or would you prefer? It really depends on the project because uh, basically in science, when I talk with people, I'm very much interested in learning their hypothesis in knowing what they want from that analysis. And then we discuss how to design the study. However, there are definitely people who want to explore. So they have to go and use another study design. I mean, when we have a very precise hypothesis, for example, we want to analyze one cellular population or we want to analyze particular regions, like, for example, perivascular regions, or we want to analyze, I don't know, tumor centers, something like that. This is one design. This is, uh, okay, let's go to the story about the planet hit by a meteorite. This is actually what I advise because Nanostring published in Cancers a paper on best practices for uh, spatial analysis or use of geomics. And okay, uh, no secret, I was a reviewer for that paper. And I mean, the paper was very well written, but one thing that I advise to put there is how to use the, the grid type of originalization because people don't understand why it's necessary. And even some nanostream people can say, well, it's not the good originalization way because basically you analyze everything. Yes, you have to use the grids from time to time. For example, when you analyze a rare disease, when you analyze a tumor that was hit by a therapy, a new therapy, and you have no idea what happened on the planet. I mean, really have no idea what happened on the planet because what's important there might be uh, when you analyze something after treatment, you don't know whether a cellular tumoral part will be important or the part which is totally without cells. So these are the ways where you have to use a grid. They are the ways where you have to use a single cell uh, RI pattern. All designs are possible to use, but you have to know the context of the study and to see what's the, the most appropriate. Actually, the instrument can do everything. The instrument can do everything. 
without visualization. This is also something that I tell to people. Geomix doesn't visualize. If you want to visualize, go and buy Cosmics. But in terms of measuring protein and gene expression, geomics can do everything. However, you have to uh, wisely design your study and know what you want to squeeze from. And that being said, even with like the grid, you'd still have to use your best guess when it comes to morphology at the end, right? You don't want to just like indiscriminately just pop the grid anywhere. No, 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 of course. Of course. <laughs> but then, you know, the beauty comes again from something else. People who did the medical school and decided to be a laboratory medicine professionals like me, we are rare. And basically, many people think that we don't know clinics, we don't know medicine, we just know molecules, something like that. It's totally wrong. Because exactly with spatial technologies, People who did medical schools know very well in which disease we can use which type of regionalization. So the grid, the grid, okay, the grid. Yeah, I mean, it looks like the whole tissue, but I can tell you, I won't tell you because it's kind of intellectual property. I can tell you right now, like 10 indications in medicine where you have to use the grid. You have to use the grid. Because you are on the, on the field where you have to analyze the entire field. And these are, for example, uh, rare diseases. Okay, this is just one of examples. And you can see the people who read, for example, American Association of Cancer journal that's called The Pathologist, which I read. The last issue is devoted to rare diseases, and they say it's a rare disease explosion. And of course, it's rare disease explosion with whole exome sequencing, where we explore exome. But what about other molecules? What about proteins? What about all other stuff? And what about the spatial organization of those rare diseases? Well, now you can use a grid. Go and see what's happening on that planet that's called the rare disease. It's only one example. It's a very explorative example. But for example, the grid can be extremely useful for developmental biologists because you have teeny tiny structures like embryos or something like that. The entire thing is interesting. So you have to cover that correctly. That's the grid story. And people who say grid is not useful, they are not really from medical field because we in medicine, we know very well where grid can be useful. We just talked about rare disease, but what about rare samples that you've come across? What typically stands out to you from a pathologist's perspective on a tissue sample that's extremely rare? Actually, the, the project that I will do in February is based on very rare samples. And many of these samples are biopsies. They are pretty much exhausted. What is the beauty and value of geomics is that we can use one, literally one tissue section left and do on it a couple of RIs and explore any tiny amount of tissue and get a lot of information. So imagine I will have some biopsies. They have kind of two or three sections left and it won't be enough for any RNA-seq. It won't be even enough for nanostring gene panels on Encounter, but they will be enough for genomics analysis and a whole transcriptome. This is what we will do. 
So this is the biggest thing that geomics allows us to use one section, one teeny tiny section of three microns and anyway, analyze several regions with the whole transcriptome or proteins if you want or whatever. So it's revolutionary. I can tell even that geomics and cosmics are the technologies that are kind of made for rare samples and rare cancers. These are the technologies for rare things. So, I mean, I'm, I'm very happy <laughs> for having one of them, <laughs> you know. For new researchers, what advice would you have to ask good questions of tissue and perhaps comparing disease to healthy tissue? Well, uh, I also do that every time because there are many... <laughs> PhD students coming to me. I think, honestly, I think that we have a duty. I would dare to say we, meaning Nanostring, because we are here with Nanostring, but all other companies have that duty. I think that Nanostring and its customers, ambassadors, and people who are experienced in that, we have a duty to make kind of a consortium, advising consortium for people and be available for them to advise them how to best perform patient analysis, how to best choose the technology, and if they have nanostring technologies, how to best use them. Actually, I submitted that idea at the recent spatial biology meeting uh, in Paris, and I definitely think we have to do something like that. And it would be nice if you could transfer this idea to our people in Seattle or something, because other people who want to use spatial technologies, uh, nanostream technologies, that they don't have the instruments, they use platforms like the platform I'm directing. Uh, they have many, many questions they don't know, and they must be advised. They really must be advised by people who use the technology, and especially by pathologists, by people who know the tissue. So what I would say to new people, please go find an experienced spatial biology professional, an experienced pathologist, ask questions, discuss about your experiment. And again, it would be really nice if we could have at Nanostring like a consortium, international consortium of people who are tissue specialists, who work with technology and who want to be available for other customers. And I can tell you that I want to be available for other customers because I think there is a need and this is our duty. This is our mission to offer that advice. It would be really, really nice to have that consortium and have us presented on Nanostring webpage or whatever and say, okay, th these are the people you can consult whenever you want. It could be like a hashtag, ask your pathologist. Something like that, yes. Consult your pathologist. Yes. As I mentioned before, I look forward to building that out and working together with you to do that. I would really enjoy that. I would really be very proud of that achievement. If we can achieve building a consortium of tissue specialists who will be advisors for spatial biology techniques within Nanostring, we are not your employees. We are not dependent on you. We are just independent people 
who use the technology, but who want to help using the technology the best way and advancing science using that technology. Again, I'm telling you, I'm totally open. This is what I would like to do. I will be very, very proud if we can can do that. I look forward to it. Nina, thank you. It's a pleasure speaking to you. And once again, a happy new year. And I look forward to speaking to you again about the Richter syndrome study that you're embarking on. Yeah, thank you so much. And actually, uh, yeah, my team is now getting more and more results. And we actually have uh, new results of my PhD student with my be presenting them very, very soon and a very big uh, conference. So yes, I would be very happy to continue working with you and again to be a part of that advising consortium of people, tissue specialists who will advise other people how to best use geomics and cosmics technologies. Thank you so much, Jonathan. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Spatial Navigator podcast brought to you by Nanostring. If you would like to know more about Nanostring's product and panel offerings, or speak to a member of our staff, please visit nanostring.com. You may also get in touch with us through LinkedIn, Instagram, or Twitter. The links to which are in the description.